Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Hello and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan. Well, we are talking about the most overlooked part of running and life today, balance. Irish Olympic medalist and two-time world champion Sonia O'Sullivan is here to be our guide as always. Now, Sonia, this is going to freak people out, but you were at an actual wedding this weekend. Like, I couldn't even believe it when you said it to me. What did that look like? And are you... Are you through the weird feeling? Like, is it now just normal there? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you don't even think about the weirdness of it all until you're talking with people in Ireland and, you know, <laughs> yourself in England and people who, you know, can't remember the last time they've been to a wedding or a, a live event where, you know, there's live band and dancing and... What? Yeah, just there really was very little awareness of I mean the only thing really was we went to the venue because it was a little bit out of town on a bus and we were asked to wear a mask on the bus and the bus driver was wearing a mask and then but the really funny thing about it was when we came back and it's guys like in Australia the weddings they they don't go all night so there's a shutdown time at 10 30 and um so we rolled back on the bus again at 11 o'clock and when we got off the bus and I was like, that, that's so funny. Nobody had a mask on on the way back. <laughs> only, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> only the driver. It was like, it was all forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you didn't have it then, you weren't going to get it at that point. It's it, like, I just can't, I can't get my head around the the image of it. Like last week, obviously Boris here said that we'd be back to normal on June 21st and Everyone was just, I didn't know how to respond to it because just the, the idea of it. Were you sharing, like, was, like, was anybody, like, I know my questions on this, but I know the listeners are going to be the same way. Like, you, we know at a wedding that, like, there's finger food and stuff. There wasn't finger food, was there? There was, actually. There was, there was <laughs> fellas coming around with the, you know, when you stand up for the drinks at the start and they came with the plates and you yeah. could help yourself and... Yeah, so standing up food, which is, yeah, that's a big thing that was kind of off limits there for a long time. Mm. And then on the table, we had this, you know, the grazing platter and stuff. Oh, and, Lord. Um, I must say, we were, we, we were at the wedding of two Olympic athletes, so it was great. <laughs> there was a lot of fit people there who were, um, you know, enjoying, I think, enjoying a, a good time out. And, you know, it, it's very um, appropriate with what we're going to be talking about um, today about balance and you know, I'm. I was thinking today when you know when you come back from a weekend away like that, you're a, a bit tired, and you have to have the reset button mm. after you've kind of relaxed and 
enjoyed yourself and and that's what you have to do i think to have the balance in your in your running life and in your you know everything in your life is to be able to switch off every now and then yeah and i mean it's it's why i wanted to talk about it as well because you know while we will be talking about uh you know the the actual thing of balance in running and why it's so essential striking a balance in the current situation is a very hard thing to do i mean we all tend to lunge towards one thing or another but actually keeping that kind of even keel is the is the key to a happy life right but the 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 sounds of a wedding in the middle of Lent as well, Sonia. We're preparing for our Lent events, so this was a full day off for you. you, you, you have you been keeping to the no treats thing? That's a couple of listeners asking me about this. Pretty much, yeah. I've been pretty good. I yeah, definitely hadn't. I haven't had very much chocolate. La- last night was the first time I had any any decent dessert. And uh, there was roaming desserts afterwards, you know, so we were all out dancing on the dance floor and the desserts were being danced around. (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly have been uh, the best I've ever been in Lent. Tina was like, are you going to be a big holy person now, Jar, because you're a runner? (laughs) It's like, no, I I really do think that the, the target of our Lent events, if you haven't heard about them, Sonia's designed three Lent events to keep you motivated through through the 40 days and 40 nights leading up to Easter. It is nothing to do with religion. It can if you are into that. But there's one on Mother's Day, there's one on St. Patrick's Day. And then there's a week long event called Elevation on the final week leading up to uh, Easter Sunday, where you try and gain as many metres of elevation as possible. And, you know, the part of it was optional was to, to go no treats, <laughs> no treats whatsoever. And I definitely am realising that I'm, in terms of balance in my diet, I probably was relying a bit on sugar to get me through. I'm sure this probably something that you can't really relate to, but I'd imagine there's an awful lot of people who do this where, you know, the day takes a bit of a dip. You take the bit of sugar to take you back up and you're using coffee the same way. It's extremely strange to, to not rely on it in that way. Tell me that you've had periods of this in your life where you're you're kind of using different foods to to take you up rather than just actually ignoring that pang for sugar. Oh, yeah, no, I all the time. I mean, the only time you'd ignore it is like something now where you're making those sacrifices and you try and limit the treats. But, you know, the coffee in the afternoon, it's always an excuse to have something sweet mm. with it, you know. And I mean, I suppose in recent times, I probably would have had the, the the nut balls and the energy treats that we spoke about previously. Are they off and limits they're as well? they're always pretty handy. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, no, thank no, God no. for that. <laughs> like, what? No, no, let me have my nut balls. Them, have <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be able to have my nut balls mid What are they called? Mid-jule dates. dates. Yeah, I mean, they're, they've been a lifesaver. I, I do want to say this, though, right? The plan here was for us to avoid the treats in order to go faster, right? That you were like, I wonder how fast I could go if I went a little period without all the, you know, the creature comforts. Is that like, is there anything behind that? Or is it just a case of uh, if I'm a bit lighter, I'll go faster? 
Uh, well, that's one thing, I suppose, is, you know, you, I mean, definitely if you're lighter, you'll go faster to a point. And that's where, you know, you need to consider the balance thing, because it's very easy to get drawn into thinking that, you know, you always need to do more to be better. Hmm. And, you know, more is better up to a certain point, And then you have to kind of get yourself back in it. You have to find that kind of fine balance between doing enough without doing too much. And, mm. you know, that can be either the amount of running you're doing, the speed of the running you're doing, or all the other things in your life that go with it, that you're trying to improve to feel better running. Mm. And, you know, they take away from your normal life and you make these little sacrifices, things like your sleeping, your diet, and your lifestyle, you know, I, I suppose it's this whole thing about, you know, if, if running is your central activity, that it, it touches on so many other parts of your daily life. And then it's how much you allow it to impact on your daily life. And, you know, that's where a lot of people can change their whole lifestyle. And, you know, they can become better athletes and they can become athletes that they never knew they would be because, they make so many sacrifices. But for, you know, the general normal people who are out there running and keeping fit and, you know, just training for events that they want to enjoy them because they've prepared for them, you know, you get to a point and you, you, you find that balance and you know, I suppose it's like input and output, the energy in and the energy out and finding the right balance of the energy that you need without kind of overdoing it and thinking, oh, because I've been for a 10 mile run, I can eat what I like for the day now and I can do what I like. But it's not quite like that. You have to find the balance that it's not a free for all just because you've done your run for the day. Mm, and it's and it's really individual to you. And that's, you know, that's from everything that I've been reading around this. It is all encompassing. And the word balance is such an overarching idea, as you say, behind everything that we've spoken about across the months and months of doing this this podcast. But let's talk about the specifics of running itself, the literal, the literal importance of balance within running. Now, runners will obviously tend to focus on building strength, endurance and flexibility. And I guess we're all inclined to forget until we fall, until we absolutely crease ourselves, that running also demands balance itself. And I guess running is a kind of intricate, one-footed kind of balancing act each time on the road, negotiating traffic, uh, uneven pavement, pedestrians, and all the distractions now with your with your watch and different bits and bobs and trying not to, you know, trying to socially distance. It is essential. Uh, but balance, they say, Sonia, declines with age. I don't know if you read this. You can actually lose 75% of your balance between the ages of 25 and 75. Now, I read that in Runner's World, so it must be true. The <laughs> balance, they say. <laughs> yeah, but, but running. Well, let's um, let's dig into it a, a little bit. You know, the, it's obviously essential to it. But why do we tend not to 
do exercises to work on it. Like everything where you go, it's always like do your dips and your squats and some press ups. But there's very little time to now try and stand on one foot and do a kind of half lunge. Why is that? Yeah, I'm not sure why that is, but I have heard a lot of people talk about this. And if you go to a really good physical therapist, probably more than a physiotherapist, somebody who's going to look at your overall movement and, you know, they're not just going to try and fix any problem you have, but they're going to try and get to the bottom of it. And generally they will look at, you know, the balance and how you're standing, you know, get you to stand on one leg and then on the other leg. And generally one leg will always be weaker than the other. Right. And um, I I find that my ankles are very weak, I suppose, would be for want of another word or w- one, my left ankle more so than anything else. So I'm always trying to do stuff to kind of strengthen it or to think about things I can do to strengthen it. And yeah, I mean, I probably really need to find a proper program to do it because I know all these little things that I can do. But I think, you know, to, to really make an improvement on your balance and it, it really does help you when you're running because you do have that on one leg at a time. And that's why, you know, running is such a hard on the body sport or thing to do because every step you take, the whole weight of your body is going through one one, pin. one leg, mm. one foot. One straight thing. And so if one is a lot weaker than the other or it's not quite as balanced as the other side, then even when you're on one one side will always take more of the weight than the other. And so you're unbalanced. Mm. And, And that's what makes you unbalanced. So I've tried to do these things. There's a kind of a... I was with somebody walking there last year and um he was talking about balance and uh, you know that we all need to work on our balance as we get older because we lose it and so you know if you're walking down the street and you see a wooden beam or a kind of a curb that you walk along the curb and see if you can keep your balance and I've got this thing here down by the beach and it's these old wooden what do you call them sleepers from the railway and they're stacked up and they've made a little fence so it's like a beam that you'd see in gymnastics and I hop up there and try and walk along it and it's really difficult to do Mm. but the more you do it the better you get so if you do it three days in a row then you're a lot better than when you started and it, it balances definitely one of those things that if you practice it a lot you can improve a lot as well. Is part of it that it just doesn't look cool, right? That Like doing, doing 100 press-ups looks <laughs> deadly. You're just like, look at this guy down at the beach. He's so strong uh, in his Nike gear. But then it's like, look at that fucking Egypt walking along on the curb, calling it training. Yeah, and you've got to, and you've got to put your two hands out to keep your yeah. balance and then you're kind of like, you know, yeah. you're, you're wobbling all over. Yeah, like, you look kind of like you've lost back. it. It looks like your man's oh, away yeah. with the fairies. But but it's everything that I'm reading 
and it's not all runner's world. I'm, uh, I, I do follow your friend Train with Trevor, who's had an unbelievable run over the weekend. It has to be said. I was looking at his pace time, insane pace of three thirty three per kilometre. I was like, what? It wasn't the flattest course in the world. It was the, the famous Cove 10 mile course with lots of hills. Unreal running, unreal running. And he and people like Trev are big, you know, proponents of doing these embarrassing <laughs> exercises. And as the listeners will know, I picked up this ankle injury. And I guess this is what got me thinking about it was that clearly I had a weakness in that left ankle from blowing it out playing basketball. And you mentioned, I think, earlier in the series that you felt that maybe your left ankle was weak because of all of the running anti-clockwise <laughs> and that you were the whole time exerting all that outward force on the right ankle, that the left one wasn't being built up the same way. But uh, I investigated the uh, exercises. Many of the listeners provided brilliant advice. It's part of the beauty of this show is the community over there on strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman abroad. All these exercises that I was given relied on 90 percent of them relied on building a kind of intuition within that foot to know when a change in my body position took place. And I know you've said it loads of time. You've got you to build up the big missiles, but you've also got to build up the little ones. Uh, when I see this word proprioceptors, is that what those are? Or are they something a little different? Yeah, I was just thinking to myself, how am I going to say this word? <laughs> <laughs> I think I did okay. So it's... <laughs> Yeah, you did pretty good there. <laughs> Proprioception is a thing that happens when you you try and keep, keep your balance on one foot. But then if you close your eyes while trying to keep your balance on one foot, then that really tests you. Hmm. And if you were to do that outside in the park now, then people would really start looking at you <laughs> and wondering <laughs> what you're up to. Yeah. And, you know, as safe as it is to do it on the grass patch because if you fall down you're probably not going to hurt yourself well a lot of the time I, I yeah like a lot of the time i think that like the discussion that we have here is you know it's kind of a directive for listeners to go off and uh, give things a try and have a look on youtube to see if they can find exercises along the lines and in the direction of the discussions that we've had and sometimes on you'll provide extra exercises or or drills and we'll post those in the group but this you know this is just not one that you would think to do that's what i i i realize and the but the return on it i believe you tell me the return on this work is immense because as mad as you might look doing it it is essentially fine tuning the engine of your body to be able to spring, isn't it? That, that That's really this, the spring becomes more refined than it would if you didn't do this work. Yeah, well, it's all the little muscles and tendons around your ankle that they just get weakened. And so you wake them up. And so if you're standing there and it's, it's a good idea to do this in your bare feet or your, you know, mm. shoe and sockless human feet. <laughs> and, um, so... Um, if you're on a hard surface, it'll be a little bit easier. And then if you go on a carpet or a rubber mat, it gets a little bit harder. 
Um, and then if you're really good, you could go on these things. Have you heard of a, there's a BOSU, which is a half a Swiss ball. Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I got an, inf- what does that look like? Because I, I got a kind of an inflatable, I think, like Tina said that like kids use this as a sensory tool in Montessori schools. It blew circular inflatable cushion that I've been standing on with one foot to improve my balance. Is that oh, kind yeah, of the same like, thing? That's slightly different, but that is that's exactly what that's for in the exercise world or the physio world is to for standing on and yeah, working on the balance on your foot. Um, but it's really important to do it with no shoes on and to build it up slowly. So, you know, it would be a great test for people this week to even just Give it a go and see how long can you stand on one foot for. I'm looking at the Bosu ball up. there. Yeah, I know the yoke. It looks like a. No, this is. It looks like a, a, a one of those exercise balls cut in half with a kind of black plastic base on it. Is that it? That's it. Yeah, it's like half a planet. You know. Yeah. Um, it's got the, the disc sticking out. Yeah. Um, that's exactly yeah. So that's you. You'd often see them in gyms you know, when you get back into gyms again. But yeah, no, I've done it on that before. And that's actually probably a bit more stable than the one that you're using, because the one you have would be a bit more wobbly, I think. Yeah, I'm as you know, Sonia, I am um, hardcore. Uh, the, uh, the, the pictures, even if you just Google balance exercise for runners, just the images that come up will have a bunch of kind of uh, bits and bobs that are going to help you from kind of one legged planks to standing. What would you call that? A single leg extension exercise where you kind of stand with one knee up and then extend it out the back and lean forward. Are those the kind of things that we should all be trying to get involved in? Yeah, that's like the one where the bird is dipping into the water bowl, I think, isn't it? Mm. That's a really good. But yeah, no, I think, you know, we need to start off quite simple and even just have a test and see how long can you stand on one leg for. Yeah. And then if you can do it quite easily for well over a minute, then you need to start thinking about, okay, let's try and do this with my eyes closed here now and see how long I can go for. So you're not going to assess yourself and go, actually, my balance is grand. Everyone's balance needs improving. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can always find the limit where you're not very good. So most people can probably stand on one leg quite easily enough. And then once you start closing your eyes, it starts to get really tricky. And it's probably a good idea if you're closing your eyes to have somebody around one to time you because you can't see the time in your watch if your eyes are closed. (laughs) You can set a timer to beep and then also to catch you if you fall, because you will start wobbling all over the place when you do this. And I've seen it because I've done it when Sophie used to do some training with some of her friends and when we used to do some circuit sessions and then at the end of it we would do all the balancing stuff and they were you know because they were all in a circle they would all fall into each other and prop <laughs> each other up yeah i think yeah it's probably <laughs> it was is more crack bit... to do this with people i know we obviously we can't really you know lean on each other at the moment but it is it's a, you also look a little less crazy if there's if there's more than one of you doing it, that there's clearly some method to the madness that you're involved in. Before we get into 
balancing our training and diet. I want to tell people briefly about the Irishman Running Abroad book club that we're starting. Each week there'll be a new section on the show where Sonia and I talk about the book of the month. Uh, This week our book of the month is Shoe Dog, the Phil Knight memoir about the creator of Nike. Now, Sonia, I started into this uh, last week and just couldn't stop. Like it is really compulsive reading and at times you know you're not going to love Phil Knight at different moments in it have you are you currently reading it are you rereading it or is this just a book that you adore I've read it not too long ago so I've kind of went back over it just to kind of remind myself of you know different parts in there and what it was all about and my feeling now is that it was published in 2016 so you know it's five years ago now and things have changed quite a bit in the shoe industry since then. So really? it's really good to read it for the history. How, um, how have they changed? For the history of... Oh, well, just the new advancements in technology and everything. And, you know, just the shoes technology. And then also, I think, the way that people buy shoes. Like, mm. I think running shoes are fashionable now. And... You know, there's functional running shoes and then there's fashionable running shoes. And, you know, depending on what you're buying a running shoe for. And I think, you know, back then when he first set this up, it was pretty cool to have nice looking running shoes. And they were the start of the nice looking running shoes. Hmm. But there's been so many different twists and turns along the way that I think an update now would be amazing just to see what made them move on to this next they're really into the high performance area now Yeah. of, you know, people wanting the shoes that are going to help them to run better. And it's not just the elite athletes training for the Olympics, but you see people down the street and they're wearing a version of the best shoes out there. And, you know, the, the shoes are kind of the new bikes. Like mm. People who cycle, they spend a lot of money on bikes and the clothes and everything that you need with it and you kind of think well a pair of shoes as expensive as they can be you know up around two or three hundred dollars for a pair of shoes that you're not even 100 percent sure if you're going to like them or how they're going to feel on you but they look, but they look good <laughs> and everybody knows yeah. that you're wearing shoes <laughs> but it's a fraction of the cost of of a bike that people pay. So if you have this, the people with the same money spending ability buying running shoes as opposed to bikes and sho- bike shoes and mm. all the gear that goes with that, then they can justify it a lot more. So you yeah. can see why more people are spending that much more money on running shoes. So it's a whole different market yeah, than so, your uh, typical runner. I haven't really got that far. I mean, I'm very much uh, in the first few chapters where Phil Knight is uh, going to Japan and buying tigers uh, from the Onitsuka company and selling them on the West Coast of America. And I'm only at the part where he joins up with the legendary Oregon coach Bill Bowerman. And I know Bill Bowerman is going to be instrumental in uh, the creation of Nike and even the word uh, Aztec and Cortez has come into the 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 chapters now. But it's like the it's very much the moment in the book that I'm at is 
you know, just before Superman gets realizes he's Superman. And I kind of can't wait to hear all the stuff that you're talking about, because I do. I'll obviously be super excited about the Michael Jordan parts of all of this as a basketball nut. But equally, as you say, there was a time in the 90s when people and, you know, not not too long ago, people are walking around in high performance basketball shoes to walk to the shops. And you're like, these things are, you know, designed for LeBron James. And you're literally just going to the shops in them. Like, it is bizarre. It is, even if you've no real interest in Phil Knight, I think this book is a great choice on you because just that phenomenon of this thing becoming fashion, this thing that is so functional and taking it from the track to the mainstream. I mean, Barrowman has just written the first jogging book. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> like, it's just bananas that this went from being nothing to something huge. Speaking of which, uh, I obviously had Mark Horgan on our main podcast on Sunday. If you haven't listened to that episode, please do. If you were a fan of the Where is George Gibney podcast, which I know you were, Sonia, the chat with Mark is a real deep dive into the making of that series. A bit more on George Gibney himself, the incredible survivors, Gary O'Toole, what a legend, and Mark himself. So that's one if I could recommend one of our own podcasts here this week after this one, make sure to go back and listen to Mark. You were glued to the Gibney podcast, weren't you? I was, and I actually listened to Mark this morning chatting with you while I was out on my bike. I was having a, a bit of a, a balanced day myself. Yeah. Um, you know, one of those things where I tried to do something else other than running. And uh, I was laughing because he was saying he was fascinated by the amount of people who are out running at the moment <laughs> and taking over the footpaths. <laughs> <laughs> That's us. That's us. Definitely. I saw the cycle on Stravasania and the elevation gain there was was something else. I was like, first of all, I had to blink twice. I had to double take. I was looking at it early in the morning going, she didn't run that. That that's that's some serious incline you're going up on the bike. There was a lot, but it, I, I made a bit of a mistake. I was trying to do a loop so that you know you'd kind of keep going around mm. in a circle, which is always much nicer. But I had to, I had to be very disciplined and get myself to turn around because I messed up the loop, and um, I had to get back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm one of these people, and I, like I tend to go. My my sense of um, direction isn't great. And um, even Nick said this to me the other night. When I'm in a, a new place, I can never find where I am. And uh, I said, oh, that's why, I'm, why, why I was such a good runner, because I used to get lost all the time. <laughs> and then I had, to find my, I had to find my way home. And, you know, the quickest way was to just run no matter where, how far away I was. <laughs> That's it. So that's the reason for all the medals. It's actually, Sonia Sullivan, who has just terrible sense of direction. She, that's, how, that's how you put all the miles on the clock. Tina, Tina is the same way. You could put her in, in a new room and spin her around three times. She wouldn't know where she came in from. And, uh, you know, that's obviously been a great uh, source of so much fun in the car prior to uh, Google Maps arriving on the scene. But uh, speaking of balance, right, let's get back to the conversation about balancing your training. And uh, this has been a I know this is like this is repetitive stuff here, but you know, you saw the run that I did on Sunday. And this is a problem that 
you know, Neil Fusco and others are having, where you send me out on a run and you go, right, Sunday, Jar, an hour long at endurance pace. Now, I know what my endurance pace is, and it's so slow to me that I can't enjoy it and that I find myself going too fast. What's the danger of not balancing your fast and your slow runs? Because there is a little bit of me, and I'm sure there's others who go, well, the, the name of the game is to go fast. You know, that's, we're all just trying to go faster here. What am I doing by not going slower on those runs? Because I guess there is a part of me that thinks I'm going to impress on you by going fast here. When in fact, you're probably going, oh, Jesus Christ, you're slow down. Well, the, the biggest problem is you're going to get tired and you're going to and it'll be a, you'll just wear yourself out because you won't be going you won't be getting the rest and the recovery that you need. And even though the rest and recovery isn't always a day off, but it might be an easy run, you're kind of losing the benefit of the easy run, which, you know, if it was a horse, you just put him out in the paddock and grazing. Mm. So you're basically grazing and having a look around when you're out there and uh, enjoying it and I mean I, I don't know I, I seem to I can do it quite easily these days but I know what you're talking about because I know I used to run my Sunday run easy long run and I suppose I thought it was easy but when you put your head down and you're going for it and you get into the groove and then you're just plowing along and even though you feel like you're working hard you don't want to slow down because I don't know, if you look at your watch as you're going along, you might be influenced a bit by seeing the pace. Mm. And so then you want to maintain the pace. Yes. And you kind of, I don't want to be seen to be going slower because I know I can go faster. So I think that's when you have to turn off the alerts every kilometre so that you're not paying attention to that. And 100%. you really do have to go with how you feel. And, you know, the, the, the main thing is that you're ready to run fast on the fast days. And I suppose the thing that you're missing at the moment is a race. So if you were getting ready for a race, then that's when you'd really have to, you know, take it easy and to slow down, run a bit less sometimes. Like my biggest problem is that I always think more is better. Or I used to think more is better. I know a bit better now and I'm not so obsessed with it all yeah but for me it was always more is better all the time and if I felt bad like even I went to the park run on Saturday up at Albert Park Lake and I ran over there and I was going for a kind of a not very fast but a medium paced run so mentally I was thinking oh this shouldn't be too hard but it felt much harder than it should have so then I was thinking why is it? Why does this feel so hard? And at this pace, it should feel easy. Yeah, I saw your note on Strava about this. Yeah, so then you're kind of feeling a bit down about it. You're kind of thinking, oh, that wasn't what I wanted it to be. And then on the way home, I'm thinking, oh, I'll just run a bit further now to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in the end, I convinced myself to just feel better and then to just round it up to a nice number of mm. 12 kilometers or just over an hour. But I know when I was training at a high level, if things weren't going so well, I always thought I'll just run a bit more. I must I must be I mustn't be so fit. I must be getting on fit. So I need to run some more to maintain the fitness. Hmm. And it's that 
it's I suppose it's the uncertainty in your mind that is affected by how you feel. And then it's just trying to get. And that's where it's really important to have a coach or someone to talk to who can advise you and have a little bit of input in what you're doing. And so I can tell people what to do, but I can't always tell myself what to do. And we're all like that. You know, you might know all the information and you know what it takes and you know what you should and you shouldn't do. But that doesn't mean that you practice that yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's the less is more mentality that striking that balance, as we say, the key word today, it involves a certain amount of counterintuitive behavior because your your intuition and sometimes you're just your plain Irish guilt gets involved like yesterday after that run I was like I was looking at my numbers for the week going oh I didn't go up 10% on last week maybe I'll just go for a light jog this evening to take the numbers up there when in fact if you have a coach on hand to go cop on you've done your running relax and rest now rest allow your body to absorb as you said before absorb the training I'm really happy to hear you say that and I hope that other people that goes in for other people because when you say you'll wear yourself out I'm fairly sure that's exactly what happened when I got those nigglers of injuries I went back through the the training plan I went back through and looked at the numbers and I think we went 14 weeks without a full down week, like a full no running week. That in ter- That's worth mentioning in terms of this balance. When our listeners are looking at their training and looking at our whatever events they might be involved in, is there a cycle of this many weeks running and then unplug the vehicle, just shut off the engine that week and lay low? Do you have advice that way? Because I, I do see people putting up mad numbers and occasionally I'll have a, a little look and go, when do they rest? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a, it's a bit of an obsession that keeps people away from the resting and the down weeks. And you see, normal, in normal times, when you have a race coming up, you ease up into the race. So you'd be taking it you do at least 20% less in volume heading into the race. Mm. And so you naturally take it easy because you're getting ready for the race. And even if we have these time trial events, it's not the same feeling. So you kind of train away and then you just put it in there and you forget to take the rest. And I found, you know, in recent weeks with your own training, the only real down weeks that you've had is when you've had aches and pains and injuries. So, it becomes a forced rest. And anytime that happens, then I totally back off what I tell you to do. Because, you know, the last thing you want to do is to try and push through something and then set yourself backwards. Mm. And we always need to remember that, you know, just because it's not a full-blown injury, if it's just any sign of being a bit tired or a bit sluggish or not feeling as good as you should be out on your runs, that to take a few easy days can have a massive impact on how you feel. And, you know, it could be if you're not feeling great on Wednesday or Thursday, you can say, right, I'll just lower the intensity here, lower the expectation of how long I'm going to run for until Monday. 
Mm. And just taking that kind of a bit of a, I visualize it as being, it's like you're running downhill for the rest of the week and then we'll start again next week and we'll get going again. And, and, you know, it could have some impact, could be, you know, doing a lot of hilly runs. And we might find that when we're heading into Easter, that as we do some more hilly runs, that if you're covering the same distance and trying to do similar pace, you even though you're building strength in your muscles, you're actually getting tired because it's harder work to run up hills. Mm. And well, so... Uh, the I, amount of time you're doing it can be less. Well, I definitely think I, I've i witnessed this, what you're describing here, that the bounce from a, a down week, I, I guess, you know, it's all new to me. Like, <laughs> I'll have to be clear with the listeners here as well. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> like, in case anybody had any illusion as to me knowing anything about this, I am flying blind. You are 100% my guide through this, as are a lot of the really sound people in the group who say lovely things and encourage me each week. But I didn't have a notion that after that week of rest from the ankle that I would feel a million dollars the next week. Like the, the smile was on my face running again. And that, you know, when we talk about balance, is the happy spot, right? It's about the sweet spot. Balance isn't about enforcing the scales down on one side with your fist. It's about finding that place where things feel right. Like there's a natural balance to us all, including our training, our home life, uh, that, that you, as you said, you will know yourself when you've struck your balance, when you've found that right place and obviously we're reaching for more we're trying to improve but there's a balance to be found through that am i talking nonsense here or is that about right no you're making a lot of sense and you know it's interesting that you've noticed these things along the way and you see i suppose sometimes i look at if you have to have a down week because of an injury or a soreness then I will account for that as being your down week and kind of forgetting then that we didn't actually plan one in there because well, you've had your down week already. So we'll we'll plow ahead again. But then once you start going ahead again, because you haven't had that mental down week, because when you have a bit of a lesser volume week because, you know, you're trying to set injury or, you know, get through something, then mentally you're still probably operating at the same level mm. because you're thinking about that you want to be out there all the time whereas if you're having a proper rest week then you switch off from even thinking about running because you don't want you don't you're not thinking oh i should be out there running mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh i can allow myself to have a rest here now and you have to think that you're you know kind of recharging the batteries because you know week after week of running you're constantly kind of etching away at you know you're wearing a little bit of your energy down and you're always losing that little so you're not always topping it up yeah um each week like willpower is is a finite resource yeah and you've got this whole structure and routine and program and plan that you're sticking to and then you're kind of thinking oh it's the same thing over and over again every week yeah (laughs) i get break from this and, but it's to be able to take the little mini break from it 
and then get back into things again, knowing that you're refreshed and you're re-energized and you're ready to go again. And by doing that, you you absorb the training effects of doing you know a good block of training. So if you've got three or four weeks of really solid training and you've built up the amount that you're doing and the, the speed that you're going, and then you have a bit of a quiet week to absorb all that training so that then when you start back again, you can train at a higher level. So you can run further on your easier runs. And that's one thing that you can do and sit on your easy run instead of going out there and thinking, oh, it's just so much easier going faster because I suppose mentally you're getting better feedback if you're going faster. Yes. But if you slow down yes. and you go a little bit further, then at the end of it, you'll have the same satisfaction as if you're going faster. So I think sometimes you have to look at like the benefit of that as much as always the pace. The pace is only for a few days in the week, not every day. Hmm. So, so to pull you back to the, the question of what that cycle should be, just as a general guide, is it seven weeks on, one week off? Would that be about right? Ooh, that's probably a bit long. Okay. I mean, you could even go three, three weeks on, one week off. Cool. That would sounds be, great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially, and it wouldn't be totally off. It would just be, you know, Lighter. a bit of a quieter week. Yeah. Yeah, and it would also be, you know, instead of doing proper full-on sessions, you might do a few strides just to keep the, the just keep the turnover in your legs so that, you know, you don't start to feel sluggish and, you know, go backwards by having that week off. Okay, right. Um, well, and, you know, ide- ideally, yeah. every now and then that week will lead into you going out there to challenge yourself. So maybe the St. Patrick's Day 5K, which is a Wednesday. So we'll have to decide if you're going to do it on the Wednesday or another day of that week. Hmm. And so the week leading into that, you would kind of plan your training towards that. And then after it, you'd have a couple of days recovery as well. So you have that, it's a cycle, a kind of a cyclical training effect that you have. And then you move on to the next thing. You know, um, it's massively helpful, I have to say, because I didn't think it was going to be three weeks on, one week lighter. But that, just even from my own head, that makes me feel better about, you know, the process we're in. People don't know what, when I refer to the process we're in, the whole point and the beginning of all of this was our chosen charity partner, Jigsaw.ie, and trying to come up with a challenge that I could do with you guys, which was to try and run 2000 kilometers in the space of a year. Now, I've I'm raising 20 grand is the is the target. Uh, it's on idonate.ie and the listeners have been sensational at chipping in each time, taking part in an event, throwing in a tenor, so much so that the amount that we've reached is, ne- is nearing 4000 euros already. I'm a little bit blown away by it, but I, I'm massively grateful to you, Sonia, for your help every step of the way. There's no way it could have been done without you to this point. And the reason why we get into balance is because we're deep into it now. I'm counting the months, six months in right now. And I am looking at back on what's happened across that six months and thinking, well, if this is to last and this is again what you said at the very start was we're not thinking about today's run. We're trying to think how we can sustainably run for the future. 
one thing that keeps coming up and keeps kind of bugging me late at night is I, I'm not doing enough strength training. Uh, I'm sure listeners can identify with this, that they're like, oh, I should be doing some some I should be balancing my cardio and my strength. Tell me what's the danger of not doing that and what's the benefit of actually striking some sort of balance there? Well, the benefit is that when you have days off, you can do something else and you can, you know, put all your focus and energy into a kind of a a different area of fitness and get the benefit from it. So, mm. you know, these days you don't even have to walk out your door if you don't want. You can have your own home gym and um, get your dumbbells out and, you know, body weight circuits. And if you program that in at least twice a week, you'll definitely notice a difference of doing some some form of strength exercises. And I, I definitely believe, you know, if you've not been doing any, then body weight circuits will definitely help and they make a big difference. When you say difference, like, what do you mean? They, you just feel better. You can carry yourself better. So I feel like we do so much when we're running, we do so much work with our legs. Our legs are carrying us all the time. They're doing all the work. And your arms just come along for the ride. Mm. But if you can do your push-ups and dips and, you know, if you, if you can get your dumbbells and do a few curls and over your shoulder presses, yeah. different things like that, then your arms, they won't just be coming along for the ride, but they'll actually be carrying themselves as well. And then they'll be pulling your legs along. So it's a bit like if you look at a, a skier, say, for example, or a Nordic ski machine hmm. and the arms and legs, they work together. So it's like a pulley and they're pulling each other along. And so when your arms are stronger, they'll never be as strong as your legs because your legs are walking around and they're carrying everybody every day. But they'll get a little bit stronger and then you won't have to carry your arms. They'll actually be you know, doing a bit of work as well and helping you to run faster. They do actually play a role in helping you to run better. It also requires just a bit of effort, right? This is the other thing when I say about, you know, your will and your the finite resource of willpower that I think that sometimes people find themselves so spent from the runs that they they go, ah, oh, I couldn't be arsed doing all of that I need a rest now uh, I mean what how do you what's what's your advice to get people into the headspace of actually no this is this is so that I don't feel as bollocks at the end of it this is so that the runs don't take as much out of me how, how do I change that headspace well I think you just have to include it in the week and as in pre-run or post-run on maybe even on a day that you don't run at all, just have it totally separate. Okay. So, you know, it's so I don't know. I find that I a rest day of doing absolutely nothing is I don't know. I nearly feel worse if I do that than if I do something. So I think if you can take a small bit of time and, you know, as as much as doing, you know, some actual weight style exercises, just things for your core also are very beneficial. And we've spoke about this before. Mm where you're working on your core, which 
helps you to be a bit more upright and to carry you much better. You know, your form is better. It helps you to pick yourself up, to stand tall and to lift up your legs if we work on the core areas. And I know I did one time I wasn't running very much. I had a bit of an injury and I did a six week session of Pilates where I went two or three times a week because I wasn't running. And I couldn't believe the difference. Like it was amazing. It was so good. But again, when I was back running every day, then all of a sudden that gets squeezed out and you don't have time for it. But we can all do a little bit of maintenance on the strength and the conditioning. And it doesn't have to be as long as you think. I mean, it's, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour, two or three times a week. Mm, and a beneficial. little bit will go a long it's way. It's better than doing nothing. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, you kind of think you could be sitting there watching television or you could be <laughs> doing a few exercises. Mm. And sometimes you can do it while you're watching television. True enough. Even True though it's enough. better not to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can, you can do some things when you're watching TV, but sometimes you're better. I think it can drag on a bit and it takes longer than it should. You're better off going with the 20 minutes, you know, with a bit of music on and, um, you know, just setting that time aside and just do it quickly and get it out of the way rather it, yeah. than kind of. And it can also be distracting know, for the other people watching the telly if you're in the corner. <laughs> um, Sonia, it's so much fun to talk to you. It always is. And I think that actually the we're due a nutrition episode, aren't we? Uh, next week, we'll do nutrition and we'll talk about the balance of the diet and, you know, maybe some of the food pyramid ideas that we were raised with and just the practical level of balancing and things that, you know, you maybe should include that are keeping your all of what you think is a healthy diet out of whack. I know that I've got probably just just most Irish people probably eating too many potatoes. <laughs> That's a generalization right there. But I think it's fairly true, especially in these lockdown days when you're like, we'll just sure we'll just roast a few. <laughs> <laughs> and you just think that'll that'll sort things out. But uh, that'll be a fun chat to have next week about just looking at the breakdown of your your week in eating uh, in a nutrition episode with you. Maybe we'll get someone to jump in, but I do think that that's something that we all need advice on. We'll also talk more about the book in our book club just to remind you it's Shoe Dog by Phil Knight that's available everywhere I'm currently listening to it on Audible uh, you get your first book free over there and a, a great accompaniment for the run is there anyone else you want to shout out Sonia before we go well Daniel who we spoke about last week who was running the Sandy Point half marathon oh yeah he, he did he did his half marathon and it's funny I meant to follow him last week and I didn't. So I went, I went to check up on his run today. I couldn't find him. And then I thought, oh, maybe I didn't follow him. So I found him. But then what was really funny was on Saturday at the park run. And because we were standing in line to get ready to go and everybody's kind of socially distanced. Uh -huh. And it was amazing how it works out. Everybody's kind of standing. And, and nobody tells you to do this. People are just doing it naturally. And so I kind of looked down from I was up near the front because they had the little times for 20 minutes, 25. And, you know, I was standing in between those two. And then I looked down through the gap 
in the people and I see this fella standing there with a Cork footballer her chill jersey on him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I look so I look down and I look away and then I look down again and I had a bit of a smile and I nodded at him and only afterwards I realised Shit, that might be Daniel from last week. Might I don't know what Daniel. made me think this. Daniel, if you can confirm <laughs> this, get in touch again. And uh, I think I, it is. I think it is because I checked his drama and I was stalking now. <laughs> <laughs> and and he did do a park run the day before. And what happened on Saturday, well, I was in a bit of a rush because I was um, going away for the weekend. So I did my park run and I had to run home. And I was half expecting that he would come running past me, you know, and he never did. And then I saw that oh, he was taking it easy before the Sandy Point half marathon. So I'm pretty sure it's the same person. <laughs> He's outside your house right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <Cork jersey. laughs> shout out, Daniel, uh, and do get in touch. Anyone who wants to just uh, fill us in on how you're getting on, what, uh, what you want help with. We'd love to hear from you. Irishman Abroad Podcast at gmail.com is the way to get in touch or on Strava over there in the running club. I want to give shouts to Eamon Martin, Mary Brennan, Aidan O'Sullivan, Elmarie Malloy, Michelle Guiney, Mark Gallagher, Laura McNulty, Noel Keating, Sandra Ryan, Neil Fusco, Soundman Barry McChrystal. All of these people have donated over on I Donate to the idonate.ie to the Irishman Running Abroad Challenge. And uh, it means a massive amount and it will all that money will go directly to jigsaw.ie who are helping young people with their mental health in Ireland right now through this really difficult time let's face it however hard it was for us to grow up in Ireland it's harder now I want to say a big thanks to Brian Connolly for his production John Marr for his extra research Tina and Mikey who are downstairs right now while a car is removed on the road Tina said they swung the car over the top of our car and she nearly got sick so they've been downstairs navigating all of that right now big shout out to them and of course you Sonia such a pleasure to chat. Have a have a great week there in Australia. Have a great week and we'll chat next week. Chat then. All the best.
Et une creepy song en étendard qui fait... Euh... 